Thank you for subscribing to KCWG The Truth Extra, our premium content channel. We have copies of our shows, plus exclusive content from our hosts and their guests. Also, as a subscriber, you'll be invited to participate in giveaways and events. Thank you for supporting and listening to KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio on the planet. CWGTheTruth.com. I'm your host, T. Russ. And the articulate, meticulous co-host is not on yet, DJ Rome. We have a great show for you tonight with some special guests that I know that you will be pleased with. So I'm going to sit back and uh, hopefully you'll sit back, get some lemonade, maybe a slice of pizza, and we got a great show. Uh, What I want to start off with is I want to give condolences out to the Again, the shootings out in San Diego uh, to the people or the person that lost their life, Monique uh, Clark. We give a condolences out to the family. The funeral was Saturday. And so our hearts go out from KCWGTheTruth.com. I want to talk about the topic today, which is uh, resilience in youth and their vulnerability. We got a couple special guests that's coming on later and they're going to talk about where today's youth are today. We all have been a youth if you live long enough and you're still on the ground, not in the ground. And uh, if you've been there where I've been there, you've seen things and you was a child or, or a particular type of person that told your mom or your dad, I can't wait to be grown. And they probably told you uh, what my mother told me, to stay a child as long as you can. So we're going to talk about uh, the resilience in youth and today's youth. Um, and their vulnerability. What is the vulnerability? I want to throw some things at you before I bring my co-host on. And I always usually do a dialogue, and uh, I usually kind of get a little deep and to get you thinking and get your tongue kind of wet, you know, and, uh, and, and to listen to the things that I say before we bring the guests on. I want to talk about some things that uh, came across with me this week. I want to talk about what is resilience. You know, resilience is, when I look at children, uh, all children, actually, especially those in the inner city and those in foster care, those in gangs, 
Uh, some of these kids have a lot of innate, innate resilience in them. Uh, and what I mean by that, I define it as strength, adaptability, the ability to recover, the ability to have and understand their own coping skills, and sensitivity. Uh, when I look at those uh, variables in our youth today, it seems to be declining. And what I mean by that is um, there's a lot of uh, propaganda in the social media um, that talk about drugs. They talk about females. They call females out the name. Uh, they talk about materialism. But you don't hear God. You, you don't hear God never spoken. The only time you hear God is when someone is getting an Emmy or an Oscar or an image award and they want to thank God or they want to thank their mother. It's pretty much the only time that you hear the, the name God referenced. And with that being said, I remember also, uh, you know, I got to take it back to my youth when I was very vulnerable myself because why You're listening are we to exciting premium content on KCWGTheTruth.com. There's not a lot of mentors out there. When you look at females, there's not a lot of mentors out there. I don't care what nationality or ethnicity you come from or socioeconomic background you come from. We are missing great mentors. And because of the vulnerability in today's society is to take care of your own, there is no sense of community. There's no sense of love. And so when we bring our guests on today, they're going to talk about the vulnerability of uh, youth today. And uh, we're going to bring uh, some some brothers on that have had experience in this area, and I want them to vibe really tough. But before I go and bring them on or, or my co-hosts on, I want to throw some things at you. And I want to I want to throw a scripture. If you're listening out there, write it down. It's Ecclesiastes 12 and 1 says, Remember God in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. When I read this scripture, that is definitely talking about me and my boys. We grew up, no dads, no fathers. We try to protect our mothers. We try to protect our aunts. We didn't even have uncles. We didn't even have guys on the street on the block that were older to say, hey, let me, let, me, let me teach you some things. We just didn't have that. And so with that being said, um, the youth, my youth was probably the best that I ever had in my life because when I got older, when the things I should have learned, I became vulnerable. I became vulnerable to the gang life. You know my life. You know my story. I became vulnerable to the drugs, violence, and the association of dysfunctional understanding of why women were put here. And with that being said, I'm going to read another scripture, and I want you to really write this down. Ezekiel 16 and 60 says, Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. In today's society, family, the youth don't have covenants with God. They got covenants with MTV, BET, and they got covenants with the rap songs. They know the rap, the, the, the lyrics to the rap songs more than they know any scriptures of the Bible. They probably can't even say the pleasures of allegiance. Today, it's all about social media. It's all about the fashion, the shoes, the females. It's all about the interconnection to the world. And we in this world live in an antichrist system that is very vulnerable. Therefore, it makes our youth vulnerable. I am very, very sad to, to think like this, but it's the reality. And I want to throw a little something at you before uh, my co-host comes on and we take another, uh, take a first guess. 
I had a colleague today, and I'll leave this with you before we take a break, that really wanted to be from the MS-13 Hispanic gang. And so what he does is he goes in the mirror and he puts on his forehead MS-13. And then he carves it in his skin with a knife. Then he goes on his face and he puts 18th Street. Now, you probably out there say, so what? Well, he did it in the mirror. And anybody knows when you do it in the mirror, it's reversed. So when everybody was looking at him from the hood, they said, man, what are you talking about? You're from MS-31 and you're from 81st Street. (laughs) And the dude says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. And he walked around there all this time and nobody said a word. And let me tell you why. Because vulnerability means that a lot of people are not your friends and they ain't your family. And they'll let you walk around because they can. And they made a mockery of him. And one day somebody told him, you know you got that mixed up. And he kind of just broke down. What, I, what? Why did I say that? I say that because youth don't know what they're looking at in the mirror. Everything is reversed. Everything is changed. And they don't see who they really are. They see a counterfeit them. And so when they walk into the world, they're just like everybody else. And so the enemy sees them. And if he sees them, everybody else sees them. I want you to take a break and pray for this youth. I want to pray that you pray for the system, the school system, the juvenile system, that we not lose our youth to pain and to drugs and to solicitation and all of these crazy things that are happening. We're going to come back and we're going to take a break. And I bring my, uh, the meticulous articulous DJ Rome. We'll be right back. Never question God. What can I do now that I'm under pressure? Was always taught to give my best, never, never settle for lesser. Although the weight of the world seems like it's on my shoulders, can't break the heart of the soldier, but got me getting colder. I hear these voices in my head tugging me persistent. Sometimes I think I should pray, but feel I'm too distant. Or will he listen? Hurt the Lord, don't hear no sinner's prayer. But recognize your time of visitation when it's there. No man can come to the Father, but that's the spirit drawing. Visions of Christ when he died, I cried when I saw him. Mutilated with the thorns on his head, would it been me? Seen the nails in his hands as he bled, should have been me. Lord, help me, cause temptation's knocking at my door. Started with a little sin, then I watched him grow I can't control it, it's too strong, I was controlling me I wish to break away free, but it keeps holding me Maybe the lust of the world's the reason for my treason But the pleasure of sin, that's only for a season And dear God, could you please help me understand How can sin be so wrong, yet so fundamental And why did you kill Satan when he wasn't true But then again, who am I to try to question you? Never question you. God, if you can hear me, let's have a little discussion Though they told me as a child, never bothered you with my voice I just need some direction and Tell me, am I blinded? Or nothing's wrong with my sight. You just never shine. And though I don't deserve it, Lord, tell me, can you bless me? And pray my faith don't fail when the devil comes to test me. Won't let it stress me, but the bills late and rent's due. The same thing last month a nigga went through. Don't want the game, bang a slang, can't maintain. Had me on the floor, we pinned for the same thing. Every other day, it seems impossible to break free. And when you come back for your people, we're Lord, back, take we're back, family. KCWG, turn up, turn up, hey. We back, we back. DJ Rome. Are you on the line? 
Yes, sir. You dancing in the studio right man, now? Man, I'm jamming. I got. I had to, man, because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired, bro. I'm tired. But I'm turned up, though. <laughs> Because it's like when you come in off the street into the studio, I know you you feeling that day. But how you doing, good, brother? I'm good. I'm good, man. How about you? <laughs> oh, man. Yes, man. You know, we, 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 we got through another one, and here we are. And we have a guest on the line. Why don't you tell us who's here, brother? Oh, man, man. This is this is the man. This is the man. Let me introduce him, man. This is – I call him B. Well, B. Taylor. He's, he's Coach Taylor, Coach B. Taylor. I want to give you a little background, and uh, I, I'm really impressed, and he's going to do really great things. Uh, you know, Coach Taylor graduated uh, from Notre Dame University here in California in marketing with a concentration in business administration. Um, he went on to, he played college ball, collegiate ball, uh, and he was a two-time NCAA Division II All-American uh, and also played ball with his brother on the court, and he do got game. I try to throw a little something at him too, but, you know, uh, he's, a, uh, he's a former semi-pro uh, for the PBA, and that's the Philippine Basketball Association, and the GBL, the Greek Basketball League Association. Uh, he's from where we both from, South Central. Um, what I'm impressed at, he is, um, you know, he worked in the marketing for the L.A. Clippers. He was a former director of operation of Boys and the Girls Club of Fontana, and he is currently an educator and head basketball coach for the coach of the Indian Springs High School where we both attend. And it's a privilege and an honor to have him on. Uh, please help me welcome Coach Taylor. Hey, hey, how's it going, fellas? How you doing, man? I'm doing blessed, man. I can't complain, man. That's, that's a heck of an uh, introduction, man. I don't know if I can uh, live up to the expectations, man. <laughs> well, we, we here at KCWG, along with uh, the meticulous, articulate DJ Rome, welcome you. I, I appreciate it, bro. Number love. Number love. Well, you know, today, today we, we're talking about uh, resilience and uh, vulnerability of the youth. And I was telling, uh, mm -hmm. I was telling DJ Rome that, that uh, you would speak on that, and he's going to have some questions for you oh, also. But uh, where, where do you see the youth, man? Uh, before you say that, you know, I walk around all around, even when I was in L.A., now in San Bernardino, and I just see that the kids just don't have a clue. You know, I see a lot of followers. I have very few right. uh, young men Absolutely. do I see leaders. And where do you... Where, where do you see it, and where do you see it going? Well, man, you know they, that old Whitney Houston song, I can't believe I'm saying it's old because that's basically me. Um, the children are our future, and I look at it from a business standpoint. Are we investing in our future? Right. Uh, our government, not. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, a lot of our politicians that supposedly, quote-unquote, represent us, uh, that's on their platform, but when they get elected, that's on the back burner. So, truly, I think that's where we're at right now with our youth, man. Uh, You're listening to exciting that, premium content on KCWGTheTruth.com. You know, the attention. I'm talking about the positive attention. I mean, they, for them to grow and be, you know, successful. Uh, You're kind of breaking up a little bit. That, uh, this is my passion working with you. Um, based on being able to see and watch come from one situation right? Bounce mm -hmm. like a basketball and ready to fight again. You know what I mean? So right now, you know, our, our youth is is, is uh is an endangered species, man. That's 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 why I would say our youth is right now. Well I know we, we, we ball, you and I. 
And one of the things that you have suggested to me, and I'm going to let DJ Rem take over, uh, is that we both see the lack of motivation. So if you tell these young men an instruction in a, in a masculine way, in a very direct way, I, a lot of the youth get offended. They get offended because a lot of them are, and I'm not saying anything against women, but they're in a lot of single-parent households, and they don't know how to take the instruction Absolutely. of a man. What is your thought on that? Right. Is that, is that for me? That's for you. Um, my thing is, man, you know, I was fortunate enough to be raised by both my uh, parents. You know, I had my dad in the household and my mom, you know, um, and you, it's a balance. Mm. I mean, you get that love for your mom, you know what I'm saying, that, that confidence like, hey, baby, don't worry about it. I know your back is against the wall. Get up, dust yourself off, and, and go get it. Mama love you. You know, dad, he gives you that, that forethought, that, that instruction, you know, step one, two, step three. And I believe that's ex- extremely missing from our youth because I, I see that when given basic instructions on the court, you know, go to point A, go to point B, and in between going from A to B, the disconnect. Mm-hmm. And and what I think is they're not conditioned to hear the male voice or, or, or have that male role model where it, 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 it sounds like it's them. You know, it's like, wait a minute. So if something is threatening, the defenses come up. Mm-hmm. Well, who are you to tell me what to do? I'm a man, too. I know what to do. Right. Why are you telling me this? You know, instead of being coachable, that's one of my biggest words, and able to heed that instruction and knowing that it's coming from a place of love to get you better as a player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. DJ Rome. Brother Coach Taylor, how do you get them on your same page when they come at you like that? How do you break that defense down? Well, basically, it's it's almost a reversal. I, I have to jump out of that role and, and get to a role of maybe a, a big brother or, or or even maybe, you know, um, I'm role versed. You know, with with our culture, you know, with hip hop culture. So, you know, maybe I have to break it down to, you know, uh, a verbiage that they understand, and that kind of builds that credibility. Like, oh, wait, wait, coach, coach from where I'm from? Absolutely. You know, ten toes down, man. I, I come from the same as you guys came from, and just seeing them as value, you know, because right. we all have people when when someone values you whether that be your opinion, whether that be your company, you gravitate, you gravitate towards those people. It's the same with, with kids. If they feel that love, like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. No matter what I say to this guy, I can call him a name. I can, you know, disrespect him. I see him the next day, and he's like, hey, man, what's up? Where my love? I mean, give me a five. Give me a hug. What, what's going on with you, man? Mm. They like, wait a minute. I ain't, I, I, no, others ain't like that where I'm from. You know, mm. so it's it's building that credibility. It's, it's, it's the, my, my philosophy with dealing with kids, as long as I'm coming from a position of love and uplifting, I can't do wrong. I, I really can't. Okay. I'm going to do a quick sound check on you. Are you on a speakerphone right now or a Bluetooth? Yeah, I'm on uh, uh, like, a, uh, like the iPhone, like headphones. Okay, because I, I got a, a lot of echo on this, and I'm wondering if we can make an adjustment as we go along. But I, I love what you said right sure. then. To what degree do you think uh, men are still getting involved with the youth? Because I remember when I was, there were some brothers that were coaching. I used to play Little League, and there seemed to be more brothers around back then. And over time, as I've, 
I wonder to what degree brothers are still reaching back to uh, nurture those young seeds coming up. Uh, what's your take on that? Involvement in the hands-on as we had when we were coming up? Um, not so much, man. I mean, um, case in point, how many fathers that I have, you know, within my program that actually participate um, with their kids, you know, like I have parent meetings, and I would say 90% of the parents are, are female, wow. whether that be wow. mom, whether that be grandma, and in some cases, you know, sisters, aunts, you know. Hmm. So... I think yeah. what's what's going on, man, um, in our society as a whole, because it's, you know, it's a capitalistic society, so everybody's pretty much focusing on themselves and not reaching back. There's, there's brothers out there, man, I mean, this, that went through the same type of, uh, you know, path I went to, played some type of sport, actually got a degree, you know, successful, but, I mean, it's just focusing on, on theirs in their household. You know, but I, I try to encourage, you know, a lot of my colleagues and a lot of my peers that are able to, man, reach back. They, they need us. You know, they, they, they truly do. Hey, how do those parents respond to you when they see you coming? Because I'm imagining that you'd be a welcome relief if they see that somebody like you is coming into the lives of their son or daughter. What's been your response or what's been their response to you? You were losing? I think so. Coach Taylor. Well, I guess the response is so profound he blows their mind, T. Russ. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we, I don't know if we lost him. Yeah, I think we lost him. We thought you lost him. That's man. Well, I'll tell you that was a great question that you asked, and uh, I wanted to respond on that, man, because um, one of the things that you know we we are at the same site, and uh, I remember going to the gym watching him with the with the kids. And um, one of the things that we were working on is um, a program where I go in and motivate the kids and do a motivational program. Uh, it's kind of like sports therapy, and uh, but I would call it motivational sports therapy. And the reason is because, uh, you know, I play hard. You never play with me, Ron, but I play hard, brother. Like, I go to the paint, and I ain't always going to hit the basket. I'm going to hit you. <laughs> I'm going to hit you. So it's like... They will complain, oh, you, you foul, all oh, this. And then our, our goal is man up, toughen up, suck it up, and just play ball. Quit complaining. And so I, I think I did that for three weeks with him. And, um, you know, I waited to see if the kids wanted me to come back. And they did. Hey, 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 where's, uh, where, where's the side cat? Where's the side cat? And so I, I took a risk. Um, sometimes you can damage a, a, a youth by going too hard. And you have to have that balance. And I think a lot of the single-parent household females, they're trying to find that balance, and they're trying to find mentorship, and they're trying to find anybody that can put the oxygen mask like you. You created that wrong, the oxygen mask, on some of these kids to give them hope and give them inspiration. Are you there? Are you there, Ron? DJ Ron? Yeah, hit me with that again. I just okay. got back in. Okay, just got back in? Okay. I was just saying that there is a lot of things that single parent household females, they're looking for the right. oxygen mask too. They're looking for someone mm-hmm. to give them hope, to give them dreams. And I think, you know, watching Coach Taylor, man, uh, with the youth, you know, you know, I, I'm funny. He don't know this, but I would go around and ask a lot of uh, the youth, hey, man, what you think about Coach Taylor? Oh, man, he's awesome. I've never had one person tell me nothing negative. And when you see that right there, you want to be a part of that. And so, of course, of course, parents want to be a part of a man and part of a team of excellence and motivation and drivenness. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. 
That makes a lot of sense. Mm. Coach Taylor, we got you back? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, so right before we lost you, I had asked you, what kind of reception do you get from the parents in the neighborhood when they see you come and they see that you potentially could be a brother that's going to speak into the lives of their young son or young daughter? What kind of receptivity have you gotten from the parents in the neighborhood? Oh, it's, it's nothing but love, man. Um, it's uh, it's almost like they, they take a deep breath and, you know, just exhale because I don't know what my predecessor was or, you know, his impact in the community, but, I mean, I've always been a man about the community because that's where I came from. And if it wasn't for, you know, organizations like the Boys and Girls Club, you know, Challengers in L.A., you know, that gave me a safe place to, you know, just be a kid, you know. Um, yeah. So it's it's a sign of relief. You know, it's like, wow, you know, you're taking, you know, no, you know, it's like you're, you're not my family, you're not my friend, but, you know, you're giving my, my kid right home from practice, you know, to make sure he gets home safe. I mean, I think, you know, as a parent, I can speak towards that. I, hey, man, it, it really do take a village to raise a child, but, you know, everybody's so compartmentalized that there is no village. Mm-hmm. You're know, listening to exciting premium content on KCWG. You're listening to exciting premium content on KCWG, the truth.com. Yeah, uh, he had, yeah, business administration and marketing, in yeah. which that's a good question, Ron, because I was sitting up here thinking, like, you know, we all had aspirations to be the best and go to the league. And uh, Coach mm-hmm. Taylor, you went to the semi-pro league. Well, I guess my question, mm-hmm. do you hear a lot of the kids say, I want to go to the league, and they know that you know in your experience that they don't have, I'm not going to say that potential, but do you know, it's like I, I played baseball, man. I was a good baseball player, and I was a martial artist. And so when I competed against people, I sometimes I would go, wow. And sometimes I would go, no, you need to go into another field. Do you see right. the kids, you know, wanted to be in the league, and you know they ain't got the potential to be in the league? But they see all the hype on the – how do you deal with that? Uh, uh, you got to be 100% real, you okay. know. Um, and I'm going to share a quick story with y'all uh, about my experience with that. You know, my pops was, you know, really, you know uh, – I mean, I'm talking about hardline Christian. You know, I'm a Christian too as well. But every every night hitting his knees praying that, you know, I make it to the NBA. And uh, I mean, once as I got you know in college and started learning about you know the statistics on that man, that's it's like hitting the lottery, man. It's the statistics are the same, you know. And I, I got educated on you know, wait a minute, this is not my only way out, you know. That that was that was a lie. This is not my only way out. I mean, truly, I I speak to the kids about education. I mean, education is the key. Uh, for, for any anything, you know what I'm saying? And the Lord says, you know, have a thirst for knowledge. You know, that's that's the that's the key. So, you yeah. know, when I was going, uh, the, the story, you know, goes as, as such. Um, I was playing in this uh, college summer uh, league, and, uh, you know, big name kids, every, every number one uh, prospect from, you know, the West Coast play, you know, in this league. And my, you know, pops, we're in the car driving there, and, you know, pops trying to give me tips, hey, man, make sure you, you keep that right crisp and, you know, you know, jab, step, penetrate. You know, I'm like, yeah, I hear you, Pop. You know, he's like, man, we got to get there. We got to get there, you know, speaking towards the league. I said, Pop, have you ever wondered, like, who signs the check of these NBA players? And he paused and, you know, kind of perplexed, like, nah, I ain't really thought about that. I said, Pop, that's what I'm trying to be, man. I'm trying to be go. the guy that signs the check. 
because he's mm-hmm. making more money hand over over all of these guys. That's right. And and that I mean, God gave me dissemination over that. I mean, that was that was you know the the, the word of God. You know, the, the Holy Spirit speaking to me on that one because I mean, I, I'm a kid. I was 19 at the time. You know, saying that I, I had no idea where that came from. You know, but that's mm-hmm. the truth. And that's and that's the same approach I take with the youth. I never talk about going to the league with my kids. I don't care if I have a prospect that's you know ESPN top 100. That's not what I, I I'm talking about mentality. I'm talking about manhood. I'm talking about how this game of basketball is similar to life. You reap what you right. sow. You get what you earn. You know, and with mm-hmm. our our youth today, with this microwave generation, they see success and automatically want that. And even if they get that, like, say, for instance, we got, you know, rappers, or we, you know, like, you know they get that, right? And within mm-hmm. months, it's gone. Why? Because they don't yeah. value it. You know, there's mm-hmm. no 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 um, work ethic towards it. There's no equity in it. You know what I'm saying? You didn't put no blood, sweat, and tears in it. So yeah. if you do, you put value. And I'm, I'm going to share this one, one last story. Um to kind of speak towards that, um, I was working uh, with one of our kids on campus in our manufacturing academy pathways, uh, where they get to learn, you know, different trades and stuff like that. And he was working on this intricate piece of metal, you know, with this machine. I mean, it was it was dope, you know. It was edge, you know, both sides. It was you know really artistic, abstract type type of art piece. And I asked him, I said, "Can I have that?" And he looked at me, man, like I smacked his mom. and was like, "Man, stop." Oh. No, you can't have this. Why? Why did he say that? Because that took weeks, almost months, to to make that piece with writing code on the on the computer. You know, to talk to the machine, to position the you know the the blade to cut the metal, and you know coming up with the design. I mean, he put his heart and soul in that. And right now, that that piece, that component is missing in our youth. Mm, good point. I like that. The hard work, the, the putting in the work, and being able to experience the process, and on the other side mm-hmm. of that, labor. Yeah, that's pretty important. You you said a lot right there, good brother. And I was thinking about Marshawn Lynch as just one example of someone who has preserved his money. And if he wanted to, um, I think they said he hasn't even touched his um, his salary or something like that. He's like living off the interest. Mm-hmm. And he's just right, right. <laughs> wow. So how do we instill that? Because I remember when Dwight Howard came into the league and he was talking about uh, this guy that changed the Jerry logo, or excuse me, the Jerry logo, cross and cross when he came into the league. And he came mm-hmm. in with that aspiration in mind. But when I just think about scholar athletes like you, Coach, I think yeah. about David Robinson because he wasn't known as a hard player. And I talk to kids all the time. Right. like, man, Tim's right. a soft player. You know, they don't give him any respect mm-hmm. because he's not flashy, but he shows up. Team is always in the playoffs, just like the Spurs in the playoffs right now. Like exactly, exactly. An athlete, and he was, and he was about his spirituality as well. So, what's our role? How, what, in what way are we able to take what we bring to the court and to their lives, Coach Taylor, so that they understand that it's a balance? It's a balance mm-hmm. to our athletes. Mm-hmm. Fooled by the bright, shiny objects, but we actually have to have a game plan. How would you suggest move forward on that as a community of brothers? Um, that's that's a great question, man. Um, basically, it's it's through education, you know, and using the vehicle of basketball 
um, because it's it's really a, a test, you know, um, you know, like a pilot for life. You know, a, a lot a lot of the concepts and a lot of the philosophies of life is taught through basketball and just referencing, you know, the, the two. You know, we, we might be talking about a basketball concept, but actually backing that up with a life, you know, example to prepare them, you know, because, I mean, basketball really for a lot of, a lot of kids, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a career. It, it won't be a career. But right. what I'm trying to use basketball as a vehicle is to educate, to teach them about financial responsibility, about interest. I didn't learn about mm-hmm. interest until I bought my first car my junior year in college. My parents didn't teach me that. You know, my parents didn't teach me about, you know, uh, how to pay bills. My education was, was, was simply this. My responsibility as a youth was go to school, play basketball. Hey, Pop, can I get a job? Right. No, you don't got time for that. You know, you, you don't, if, you, if you dedicate yourself, you won't need to work. You'll just play basketball and get paid off of that. I mean, but not understanding. And my pops, I mean, my, my pops love me till you know, the casket drops. But, I mean, it's, it's that type of belief system in putting your all your eggs in one basket in this thing called sports or this thing called entertainment i mean i mean that's a whole nother subject for another another topic on why as you know our people put all our eggs in that basket instead of putting our eggs in you know education learning about engineering learning about you know six-figure salaries like what career paths can i take where i can net you know a half a million dollar a year for the rest of my life if I want to as long as my mentals are sharp you know That's right it's, it's 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 truly that so I use you know basketball truly as as a carrot man I mean that's that's the the my new thing that I, I I do is basketball the grand scheme of thing is this is my opportunity to have a captive audience of you know 15 to 30 kids and if I'm saving Five. If I save two out of that group, man, it's it's all worth it, man. Awesome. It is. Awesome. Hey, awesome. Russ, remember when we had your friend on from New York? Uh, which one? Um, uh, met up on the basketball court. I think you were. At oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sir. He talked about mentorship, yeah. and he talked about just just the fact that uh, we we just kicked it, man. You was a shorty, and uh, I taught high school and middle school before I became a psych, and I played ball with the cats from New York and Chicago, and uh, that's when my knees weren't hurting, and I can punch it. And so uh, he would always look at my character. He would always look at my craziness, and but he always saw me take care of my family. He always saw me take care of my family. They never went without. They never went out with food. We always had it going on. We always invite them. We made it a community, and with that, uh, Coach, I appreciate you coming in. I know you got a you got a run, you got a uh, you know a session going on. But uh, on behalf of KCWG, the Truth, and DJ Rome and myself, I appreciate you. We'll have you back, and uh, we're gonna take a commercial oh, break. Oh, definitely, man. Appreciate it, man. Hey, 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 and I will see you on that court pretty soon when my knees get healed. <laughs> hey, the 26th, man, part two, man. I told you, staff versus game, man. We need you out there. Alright, bro. I appreciate it. Much love. One love. Cali, man. Let's take a break. Alright, then. One. I know so many on that draw. 
And plenty on them crows And so many that's all about that dog But I be on that wash up I be on that wash up yeah. Now this worship got me geeked up And I participate often with my homies God, you see us Worship till we get up in the coffin Hands raised like I'm reaching for my Gucci loafers At the top of my closet Glory pouring like a faucet Thought about his goodness and almost lost it You died for me The ultimate sacrifice like it wasn't nothing to it So when I praise the worship I don't do it alone I try to make everybody do it Everybody do it we worshiping, doing my best right now Should have been dead and gone a long time ago But I feel so blessed right now I know so many on that drove And plenty on them crows And so many that's all about that dog But I be on that wash up I be on that wash up I know so many on that drove Hustling whatever hustle you gonna hustle. You gonna have to submit your body to somebody. I'm saying why not submit it to God first? Kids here, where should make a dealer wanna ride? I'm stressed out like I'm playing outside. Popping as I'm dropping like a coffin. Now I'm hopping to the loft of life, Martin. You can run till I on my back with my eyes to the sky. Look to the hills where my help but cry. This is what it sounds like. When them gangsters cry, all my life been searching for a love to match my pain. On my knees, I plead at night, but nothing never was the same. Since he came, I switched lanes into light and out the dark. Changed my heart. Brought the sunshine like my last name was the car. I know so many on that drove And plenty on them crows And so many that's all about that dog But I be on that wash up I be on that wash up I know so many Men are the reason that we have shirked our responsibility As the priests and prophets and providers and covers and protectors of our women and our children it is our responsibility to lead the way in fighting the enemy. Uh, and we've shirked that responsibility. We, we are more concerned about ourselves. It is driving me crazy. And I ain't been worshiping lately. No. But he saved me yeah. and gave me yeah. peace inside my mind. Now I find that everybody left the bases. Now they running blind. blind. Now I'm back on track and I'm sticking what? to the what? fact that he gave his life for mine. Yeah. Real love, real talk, uncut, kcwgthetruth.com. I want you to sit back uh, uh, as we get started on the second half. Uh, I want I got a new number for you. I want you to hit 712-770-7040. That way you can listen in on the show. Our show is every Thursday at 530 to 7. Uh, you can go on Facebook also, Real Love, Real Talk, Uncut, and throw us a like and some comments. And uh, if you want to hear something or a topic, uh, kick it at me or DJ Rome, and we will definitely have it on the air. Make sure you put your name on it. We'll give you props. DJ Rome, are you here in the, in the, in the house? In the house, good brother, good brother. Yes, indeed. Yes, please call in, y'all. We'd love to hear from y'all. Absolutely. Now, brother, you got a guest, and uh, I'm looking forward for your introduction uh, for your guest, and uh, why don't you do the honors, man? All right, I'd love to. 
too, man. Thank you. Welcome. All right, this is a brother I've known for quite some time. He's uh, been working with the youth for a little bit, and he's also one of the hosts on the Pocho Hour of Power, a political satire radio show on 90.7 FM KPFK, that's Pacifica Radio, in Southern California. He's been doing stand-up comedy for 15 years. He's performed on BET's Comic View, along with touring with the legendary Paul Mooney. He's performed at the Atlantis Theater in the Bahamas for the NBA Players Association, and he's also performed at sold-out shows at the John Anson Ford Theater. His comedy's been called one uh, by one newspaper as biting, real, and hilarious. And as an actor, he's been in movies such as Lola's Love Shack and Richard Montoya's Water and Power. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Mr. Keller, you on the line? Man, you almost make me sound famous. <laughs> How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Who wrote that bio? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at you all. I'm laughing, man. That was good, though. That was good. How you doing, sir? I'm good, man. And then he didn't mention I played in the NFL, so, you know, it's, it's a little bit Oh, you played, that's right, you played uh, for the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, I played with the Falcons, man. So, so you didn't even know I knew that. That was good. That was good. Not too many people do. Uh, yeah, yeah. We had to do our research. So yeah. Okay. All right. So, that, that's why I was interested to hear the guy, last guy talk. It was, it was interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I was talking about. I was hoping we could get both y'all on at the same time because what was interesting about what you heard? Well, for me, it's, it's what is interesting about basketball and football, it's a, it's a, it's a game that, that mostly black folks play. Okay. And so but. they want us to go to college. But they don't want people to play tennis to go to college. They want they don't want people that that, that play baseball to go to college. You know, I'm from a school that you got one small window to make millions of dollars, but you can always go back to school. <laughs> right. you, you see what I'm saying? Right. You can always go back to school. So what's wrong with training and trying to make it? If you don't make it, then you go back to school. Mm. And you know, but they don't want us to really. Do I know. Go ahead. You remember when Shaquille said a few years ago? Well, it's been a number of years now. Russ, you remember when Shaq actually took a game off from the season? Lakers were right in the middle of their season, and he went home, I think, to Orlando, Florida, to participate in his commencement he ceremony, sure did. graduation. He sure did, and I saw it, and it was awesome. Y'all remember that? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't get y- Y'all remember that? I mean, I can't remember. I'm sure there's others, but I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head who really embodied that spirit of how important that is. I mean, this game is one thing, and it's important, and I know it's entertaining to all y'all, but we got to handle that foundational business also. So, Mr. Keller, I, I kind of jumped ahead yeah. of myself. It's like, how does this point with you, man? You've been working with the youth for a long time in Southern California. I met you on one of those campuses down there. Uh, talk about what you're seeing. Uh, How did you get to the point where you went all the way from the NFL? You wanted the cats that actually made it all the way through. So if you can, you know, work that journey into what you say in a minute, I would love to hear that. But what's been your journey up to this point from the neighborhood to the NFL, back to working in the neighborhood with the kids? How do we get to this point, good brother? Well, my story is kind of crazy. I, my my parents were heroin addicts, mm. and uh, I was actually born a I was born a heroin baby actually. Mm. Uh, okay. And when my parents got released from prison, I, I ended up staying with my grandmother. Uh, mm. And then when my father got out, we both he stayed there. So when my mom got out, she came to my grandmother's and kidnapped me from my father. And so I lived with my mom. Yeah. 
And so okay. I lived with my mom, and then she was with this dude. I ain't going to say his name, but he was a cocaine dealer. And okay. my mom ended up being a and that's someone who goes in high-end stores and, and, and you know, takes a lot of clothes, high-end clothes. So they had after-hour parties on the Hollywood Hill. Uh, and so they did that for years until they got busted. And then I ended up, about eight, nine, living with my aunt out in, in Vaughn Park until my mom got out of prison. And living right. with my aunt is what started getting me in sports because I didn't want to be in the house because I felt like they didn't like me. Um, and that's what basically drove me into sports was I didn't want to be in the home. And so when my mom came home and got out, you know, there was so much drama, you know, spousal abuse. My stepfather was there. We'd have FBI raids. It was crazy. So I would never want to come home. And I think that's what drove me uh, in sports to want to be successful because I just didn't want to ever go home. Oh, wow. Mm. And uh, what the so life? that's how I ended up in sports. That's deep, man. That's deep. What's it like not to want to go home, to feel like uh, Luther Vandross said a house is not a home? What was that like for you, man? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's crazy because I didn't want to. Yeah, I mean, I did not want to go home because of my mom. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be around all the drama, uh, you know, because of my, you know, my 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 stepfather was was an abuser, and he mm. was actually involved in the biggest cocaine bust in California at the time. Right. Um, and so then she'd make us go visit him in Chino Prison, and so you know, it just got worse. That would maybe not want to go to prison or do anything wrong, <laughs> but when you have a picnic right. on the yard in Chino Prison with other criminals. He's like, man, they will never catch me. I ain't never going to do this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what do you see? And so what that's that what like, bro- man? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Watch part. Go ahead, watch part. No, I mean, how were they chopping it up with you when they saw you out there? Were they like, hey, how you doing, brother? We'll see you in a few years. Or they were like, we better not. <laughs> we'll see you in a few you. years. <laughs> yeah, well, huh? well, you know, first of all, they got to frisk you before you go in. And when you're like 12, 13, you know, you're like, what is this all about? And so everybody's sitting on blankets and that. And then my mom would say, well, y'all go play. Well, where you going to go play? You want to, you in Chino prison out on the grass. Ain't like you could leave. You know? So we didn't, we'd end up playing like with other kids, right? <laughs> so you cheer it. Like, so what's your stand for? <laughs> you know, you're trading the story. <laughs> and so I'm like, man, I'll never ever going to go to prison because this is a mess. Hmm. Yeah, Whoa. it's no joke. So my question, right, yeah, my, my question is, um, yeah. we, we have all gone through some things, uh, I, and I hear you, and a lot of times I hear myself, and I'll go, and I look at the kids uh, all, all around the country, man, and uh, sometimes when I'm in meetings, I get frustrated when I look over there at the mom, and the kids got better clothes than the mom. They got $200 Jordans. They got watches. Uh, man, they clean, but they're ungrateful. And where do you contribute that to? I mean, why do you think you? It, it, it's increasing. Uh, it's just increasing the flashiness, the arrogance. Um, what, what do you What do you think? What's your What's your opinion on that? Well, the thing that's crazy about that is they have all those things, but they don't have the one thing. Well, the, one of the things in life you need, and that's resiliency. Yes. And through my life, since I went through all that. When I became an adult, there's nothing you can do to me now. Right. <laughs> right. I, I've been, I guess not. I've been through it all. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And see, so when you, when you, what, what, what comes with buying all those things that these parents are buying them, they also take away their self-esteem because whatever them kids do wrong is not their fault. It's the teacher's fault. Wow. It's, it's, the, it's yep. the coach's fault. Uh, right. It, it's, 
what did you do to make my son cuss you out? Mm. It's never no. their son's fault. And so when you buy on these things, they're always going to expect it. They're going to disrespect you because you gave them no reason to respect you. Mm. You know, make them get a job. Make you don't you don't understand the value of a dollar until you earn a dollar. That's right. If Ooh. someone always gives you a dollar, then you don't know what a dollar's worth. Right. You know what? What, what you guys talking about the Bible? Early, you know what do you say? I'm going to make you. You know, fish your man. I'm going to teach you how to fish so you can eat. That's right. I'm not going to give you the fish. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but you know that's what? what's wrong. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know, no, man, I want to get a little personal. You know, I, I have sons, and uh, boy, they look at me like I'm the devil. You're listening sometimes. to exciting well, well, premium content well, they on are, KCWG. You're listening to exciting premium content I, I on look at them sometimes, and even now, I'll make statements like, why are you saying you're tired? You ain't tired. You don't even know what tired means. And I'll go, you hungry? You ain't hungry. You don't even know what hungry means. And, and, and even with people in my personal relationship, man, they'll look at me and say, why are you so cold? And I'll go, why you say I'm cold? Well, you don't have an emotion. I'm like, why should I have emotion? <laughs> and I'm laughing, right? And I go, in right. my mind, and I know you can relate to this, man. I, I, I tell some people, I've been through hell and back in my life to the degree, yeah. just like you, don't too much phase me, man. Like, the only thing that really, and I'm going to be real, I'm, I, I want to be real right now. The only thing that really, I guess, is a problem with me is death. In the sense that I have children, and I have a mother, uh-huh. and I have people that are close to me. Uh, I have a significant other that's very close to me. I don't want to see them die. About If yeah. I could erase death, I would have no problems. I don't care about eating. I can hustle. I don't care about I can walk. I don't need no car. I can walk. But when I talk like that, people go, well, you make money. You're a psychologist. You're this. Why do you talk like that? I talk like that because y'all ungrateful. Y'all don't understand that all this is taken away. What you got? What do you yeah. got? You got any heart? If you ain't got no heart, like you said, resiliency, and you ain't got no compassion, you ain't going to make it. And I want to yeah. know, like, I know I tell the kids that. I, they don't get told that by a lot of people. What needs nope. to happen? What needs to happen, Mr. Keller, that we get the word out? What needs to happen to change these? Well, I know God won, but what do you think? What, what are some other things that you're saying? Well, with God, and we, we need to change the system. The system needs to shift. Okay. Uh, when I say society needs to shift, we become politically we politically correct. You know, not mm-hmm. everybody earned a trophy, so it's not everybody should get a trophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. a simple thing, but guess what? It's a lesson. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, my son, he he. I told him one day he was ten years old. I said, "Come on, let's go, let's go hit the baseball so you can get better." He said, "Why?" I said, well, don't you want to come in first? He said, Dad, it don't matter if I come in first or last. I still get a trophy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And I I couldn't debate that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But now let's talk about self-esteem. Let's talk about building confidence. Let's talk about striving for a goal. See, those are things that are built when you play in a sport, but they're taking that away from kids. Yeah, they are. They're taking it away from kids in school. They don't want you to compete for grades. You know, what's the need to improve? What's that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Give my kid an yeah. A, B, C, D, and F so I know where he's at. Right. I don't know what need to improve is. I don't know what good is. I don't know what excellent is. Mm-hmm. And well, how, do you draw the line, how do you draw the line between that and keeping them encouraged so that they don't get discouraged from disappointment or failure? What's, where's the line? Mm. You see, and it all starts when, it, when, you, when they're a kid and they know you love them. Mm-hmm. You Talk see, when they when they know you love 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 them, 
they know when you discipline them, it's out of love. Like when I would discipline my son, I would give him the rules up front and then tell him, if you break the rules, you earn the discipline. Mm. Dad's not Uh-oh. giving you the discipline. You earn it. Like you okay. earn great job, you earn, okay. guess what? You're going to get discipline. And then I would tell him, what's your discipline? Mm. Okay. And then he'd come mm. up with his own discipline, which is deeper than what I would have ever gave him. Wow. Because I wanted him to learn responsibility, love, and know that that you earn great job and you earn discipline. Like you don't, that. Dad's mm. not giving it to you. Mm. And so he, nice. he learned okay. that. Okay, so what I like about so, that... Yeah, I, I like a lot of things about that. And what it's telling them, I think the lesson is inherently, it, it reminds them of their locus of control, right? So if you mm-hmm. don't like the effect, produce the cause. I think that was an old Funkadelic song. You know, I'm always throwing back to some George Clinton Funkadelic. If you don't like it. <laughs> yeah. So they take ownership. I think I was talking to you the other day, Mr. Keller. Uh, a Republican put out a book, uh, Ben Sassy, and he was talking about... Um, the vanishing adult and this this phenomenon that seems to exist where young people don't seem to be making that transition into adulthood anymore because they, for reasons similar to what you just described, everybody wants a level playing field. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested in what you mean by political correctness because to a certain degree we do need some, is it, is it what, what do you mean by that when you say political correctness? Because sometimes it's okay to extend a little common courtesy. So if you're saying political correctness, no doubt. are you saying people are being snowflakes about it or people are well, being overly and thin-skinned? Well, let's be real. There's never even playing field. That's okay, right. let's, 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 let's throw that out of here. Everybody's childhood is different. Okay. Mm. Socially, it's different when you grow up. Economically, it's different. The parents you have is different. So this, our experiences of life are different. So there's no way we're going to be even. <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's how we deal with those situations. It's, mm. it's the love that our parents give us and, and, and the realness they give us. Look, it, my mom was white. My dad's black. But my mom told me, you're going to be seen as a black man. Mm. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Whatever you do in life, just know you're going to be a black man. She didn't say, well, you know, the white half. and the, No, she said, just know that. She's being she real. She's being real. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. She knew if I went out in society and, I, and somebody was racist against me, and I'm like, but hold up, my mom's white. <laughs> you're like, but not, y'all bet your daddy's not, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you, you know, so if, the, if she would have did that, I'd have been messed up. As 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 a young adult, as a teenager, mm. if she had so if she hadn't done that, if, okay. So I, I'm not disagreeing. But also, our former president Barack Obama is the product of a biracial uh, family union, African father, mm-hmm. white woman, and they didn't accept that Caucasian side of him, just like you said. And to what degree did just growing up multiracial and multicultural build your resiliency? Was it as much attributed to that as much as anything else? Where did the biracial aspect of it come into your sense of resiliency that you have now? Well, it's funny because I never really You're listening really to exciting premium content on KCWG, the truth.com. Because, you know, she listens to the four times in Cajun. You know, she cooks saltwater cornbread. Uh, so her culture yeah, was, was black. Her culture was black. Exactly. 
Okay. And so I really didn't know until one day she, we threw a party, and one of my friends said, you all must be rich. I'm like, why? She said, because that white lady cleaning up, you guys got a maid. I, you guys must have some cash. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I said, well, don't tell. I said, don't, don't tell my mom that. <laughs> <laughs> She'll get mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think about that because my mom was she. She must have been a, been a real one because I remember I saw um, I was a big fan of Tina Marie, and when she passed away, I think in 2009, I remember some cats were posting online just some reflections, and they were talking about what other white woman could play in Lamert Park on Malcolm X Day. I don't know none except many. her. I don't know none except her. She was real. Not that many sets. So your mom's must have been the real deal. She like had to be. Field, she had to be. Wow. Well, well, think so about this. Think, think, think about this. And this is the difference between uh, interracial dating now and in the 50s and 60s. In interracial dating in the 50s and 60s, if you was a white woman dating a black man, then that, that was a life choice. You knew you were going to lose your family. You knew you were going to take beatings. You knew you were going to get pulled over by the police. You know that there was just going to be, it's, you had to really be in love for, mm-hmm. to, to go through that. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays, you know, you know, you got Tina want to date Tyrone, be like, well, I'm going to try it for a week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's too easy. Back then, hey, it was a life choice. So you say you, you really had to love them. So you say like when you look at the youth today, do you feel they don't have any boundaries? They don't have any uh, what I'm trying to say, no convictions, no fear, no no consciousness because everything is so accessible. Everything is there right there. And so they make those choices based on social media, based on what they see on BET, MTV. What I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah, and, and that's part of it. But think about this. Most of those kids, their whole life, all they've known is a black president. And huh, so since they've deep. only known a black president, huh, they think one. there's no racism. And that's, that's when huh. they saw things happening to these kids getting shot. They, they, those kids lost their minds because they're like, well, hold up, there's no racism. We have a black president. I never it's thought like, about no. it like that. I never thought about it like that. That's interesting. They know that, huh. Yeah. That's well, deep. I yeah, mean, yeah, that is deep. Don't I don't get it. Right, right. So if yeah. they, wow, what do you think about that, Ron? I mean, that's a, that's a deep comment, like. Because he is actually not only the first in that aspect, but he was actually the first social media president as well. And so when you have mm-hmm. this current administration, you know, dishing off all these Twitter wars and creating all these culture wars between the different uh, ethnic groups who have, you know, their respective interests, it really speaks to the, the age and the time that we're in. Because you're right, to, a, to somebody that's in the fourth grade right now who might be, what, nine years old, all they do know is President Barack Obama and this guy we have now. Now, can you imagine, Verity, what, what, where we <laughs> where we were like six months ago compared to where we are now? They've seen a gamut of America in just that span of time where we went from making America great to, well, I don't want to get too political up in here, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they've seen the gamut. And so we, what do I do then? You know, this is a question I'm throwing out to all of you guys. I mean, we have kids. All of us work with multiracial kids who come from multi-ethnic groups. And so when we know kids have gone through this strain of a political history and an era that has transformed this country in multiple ways, 
what then is our job as educators, educators, youth workers, uh, people vested in the interest and the development of our youth? What then do we tell the youth about how to stay strong during these times when we have gone like a pendulum from one end of the political spectrum to where we are now? What do we say to our kids well, let me that s- we're working with? Let me, let me say this. you got to walk the talk. Sometimes talking that. is done. There's too many people talking about nothing. But when I see a man walk his talk, he's got my mm-hmm. attention. And that means that when he can mm-hmm. go into a room and he can command that attention, when his articulation, mm-hmm. I didn't say I didn't say his uh, Eurocentric dialect. I said his articulation, his being meticulous in what he says. And I, I say that because uh, I like what he said about not being politically correct. Sometimes politically correct can be the tone and the rhythm in which you speak based on your dialect based on your frequency. So you go in there with a high pitch trying to be like mainstream. Me, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I talk just the way I talk in the media. I talk yep. like a strong brother. That's just how I get down. So with that, I'm just talking normal, like I talk, with my rhythm, my tone, my frequency. And then as I explain to parents and administrators, I talk the way I talk, and I talk the way I walk. And so when they leave that meeting, they're probably going to say, wow. How in the world does he sound like a black man, but his vernacular is very high? Well, that's an anomaly. And so I keep it 100. And I say in the meeting, I'm going to keep it 100. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I break that down, what that means? That's how you do it. (laughs) That's how you do it. You keep it it real, man. You keep it authentic and transparent. And if you got to explain some things, explain it. And don't be a coward. Don't be weak. Don't be afraid. Be resilient. Like the brother said, be resilient. Know you're going to take them blows. Somebody going to check your chin and see where your heart is. That's that's my opinion. No, and you're right. That's, that, that, that's why Trump won. Right. Because all these people are trying to act totally correct. They want to hurt no feelings. Right. Right? But right. then as soon as they had a black president, and then gay marriage passed, and then you had, and this is when I knew Trump was going to win. When in, in Carolina, they passed the law, and I told them they had to let transsexuals use bathrooms. I said, you know what? Trump going to win because them people in the mm-hmm. South and the North, they they not they not buying all, all they not that liberal. <laughs> right. Right. We live in California, New York. We liberal. Out in the Midwest and the South, they like not that said, liberal. Absolutely. And let me and, and can you, I add on this? This is heavy. Go ahead. When you said the transgender, you got a lot of people. I, I'm being real. You got a lot of parents that don't know what to do and they need help. And so when he said that. It didn't open the floodgate. It did because they don't know what to do. I, 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 I would honestly say if my son was transgender, I wouldn't know what to do. I hadn't been through that before. So I would have to ask for help. So now i got a president that says, hey, this is what you do. Well, you're going to get a floodgate. And so I have a question with you, brother. That's a heavy question. I know we got a little bit more time. Where do you – it has always been, in my understanding, I was raising – I was raised in L.A., and I was raised in North Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had a two-culture. I was bicultural. In a sense that I always understood that there was white and there was black, and in between there's Mexican, Indian, Filipino, whatever. With the white and the black, where do you see white males' leadership in their 20s and black male leadership in their 20s? Where do you see the disparity, and where do you see that going? Are we going to have a... Oh, that's a heavy question because are are we going to have, because of the multicultural tie that's going on, do you going to see a a, colli- a, co- a collaboration, a collage, or are we going to see a separation 
What are, what are we going to see? Or is there going to be any male leadership in the 20s and just male leadership, white male leadership? What, what, do, you, what do you see? That's, that's a heavy question. I'll, I'll try to answer that uh, in a couple minutes. Okay. Um, you know, af- after the 60s, they, they, they said we got to demasculate uh, males. Okay. Because if we have an alpha male, then we're going to have revolution. Right. And so we got to demasculate them. So that's why you get the skinny jeans. That's why you get on TV, uh, if it's a strong male, that he's buffoonish. Um, you know, that's why you got the, the, the males, black males, you don't know if they're gay or straight on TV. Um, Michael, Dr. Michael Dyson, Eric Dyson, is, wrote a great book called uh, uh, Sermon to White America. Okay. And this is, this is you read the book because he talks about how America uh, sells whiteness, sells the white culture. And so when you ask the question, um, what do you see blacks and white? It's all going to come down to who's buying into the white culture. You see what I'm saying? That's why a lot of black women may have the blue eyes and get the white extensions in there, right? So they're saying if these white women are supposed to be it, well, I better get as close to being white so I can get that black man or get that white man. See, that's why we want to get to the top ring because we've been sold. You know, I tell a joke on stage where I say, when I was a kid, all I saw on TV was white women, white, white women on TV, white women in the movie. That's all I saw. I was in rings of whiteness everywhere. So what did I want? I wanted a white woman. And then my dad took me to a theater off Crenshaw, a black theater, and I saw Pam Greer. I said, forget that white woman. I want her. <laughs> <laughs> she fine. She sure is. <laughs> but, but, but you see, when you ingrain with that, you know, people will come from Ireland, England, Finland, and leave their culture there and take on the whiteness here. Mm. That's how strong America pushes that. Mm-hmm. And so, mm. you know, if, if we got to overcome the, the systematic uh, um, change that they're trying to do to us black males. Like when you said, sir, brother, you said, you know what, when I come in this strong, people look at me and go, well, hold up now. You, 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 aren't you sensitive? Let me tell you something. If my dad's crying, I know there's a problem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so somebody got to be strong. Somebody. And they don't want a strong black male because they're afraid if, if America gets a strong black male, he's going to become a Martin Luther King. He's going to become a Malcolm X. He's going he to become an Obama, a, a Messiah. And that's what scares them. Because when you get that yeah. Messiah, that's when you get change. And that's what King tried to do, he was doing. That's what Malcolm X was doing. And that's what Obama was trying to do. And they wouldn't let him do it. Wow. That's right. And you know what I say? And this is the main reason why they hated the brother. And I think that's why when we walk our walk, and like T. Russ said, when he goes into the meeting, he keeps it 100 with those people. I think the main reason why they hated him was because when he spoke, not only did eloquence come forth, but he spoke with such wisdom. And it messes them up when they see us who don't fit the typical mode or the profile of what they normally would expect from somebody who would embody that position and look like him with that hue, with that melanin. He spoke with so much wisdom, grace, authority, confidence, control, discipline. He was the embodiment of every single young black boy's aspiration if we were only allowed to get that far. That's why they hated that. And you know, and you know, and you know, to to piggyback on that, and you know, everything you just said, you know how that made white folks feel? like second-class citizens, and they didn't like it. Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. we became first-class, and they became second-class. That's why they don't like Black Lives Matter, because they're like, wait, hold up now. We're not second-class citizens. Our lives should matter first. Mm -hmm. That's why they get upset. Anytime they feel threatened, anytime they feel threatened to be second-class citizens, they don't like it. 
And he wasn't trying to do that, though, right? He wasn't trying to make anybody feel uncomfortable about what their standing was or where they stood, right? He was just going for his. I mean, he had this dream. Uh, you know, I don't mean to be, you know, channeling Dr. King on this, but he had a vision for this country, and it caught on. It caught fire. I mean, you know, you have to give this 45th president credit for that. I mean, he galvanized the people that still believe in his vision right now. It's hard for me to believe and accept that, but he did. But I'm talking about when the country was a little bit more fired up by something that was truly different, truly resonant, truly did bring people together across the country and across different multi-ethnic uh, diasporas. And that he, he wasn't, do you feel like he was actually trying to show white people up? No, that's just what they took on because they're they're used to being in charge. They've been told mm -hmm. that the, their biggest their biggest fear since slavery that we would come mm -hmm. in, we would get in become in charge and do to them what they did to us. But we they don't right. understand we're not that type of individual. But you gotta remember mm -hmm. they've been taught that that whiteness their their whiteness is is what is you know number one. Right. Brownness is number two, and so when he mm -hmm. won. Now they're like, we're not in charge no more? We're number two? No, this, mm -hmm. is, this is America. This is the White House for white people. <laughs> Forty-three of them was white. Come on now, what's yep. going on here? And, and with that... And then when he started... Right. And with that being said, I know we got a, we got a couple minutes. The youth, mm -hmm. the youth, this is what I'll say, and I know we got to go, but the youth sees all this, my brothers. They, they see yep. this. Yep. Uh, no matter what yep. color, what ethnicity, what color, what creed. They see this, and they see the truth, and you can't hide the truth. Everything in the dark comes to light. And so with that being said, yeah. I appreciate you, Mr. Keller. I also appreciate Coach Taylor and, of course, the articulate, meticulous DJ Rome. We're going to hit you back next Thursday. Uh, go on the Facebook <laughs> page and hit us up at Real Love, Real Talk Uncut and throw a like and throw some comments about this show. I love this show. I love the guests that you brought on. Uh, I love you, brother. And I don't know you, but I love you. I want you to keep strong. Hey, be you. self out there, no doubt. So we'll see you hey, next time. Hit me time. up on Twitter. Okay, we will. My, my mom's white. That's All right. My, name. my mom's. Okay, we will. So next time. <laughs> <laughs> One love, and we out. One love. All right, brother. You just listened to an exclusive KCWGTheTruth.com program on our subscription premium content channel. Thank you again for your support of KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio on the planet.